are listening to the Ivy Entrepreneur Podcast from the Pierre L. Morissette Institute for Entrepreneurship at the Ivy Business School. In this series, Ivy Entrepreneur and Ivy faculty member Eric Jansen will anchor the session. Corey, thanks for sitting down and having a conversation. Eric, good to see you. It is great to see you. So I'm here with Corey Shelson from 44 North Digital Marketing. I'm going to talk today about all things digital marketing relevance for startups, but I wanted to start with you as an entrepreneur. I uh, would love to know your story. I mean, super interested in where the name came from, but how did you get into this business? Yeah. So a uh, bit of a odd background. Actually spent the first part of my life in the army and left the army after a tour overseas in 2010 and did my MBA at Ivy. That's kind of how our paths have crossed is through the network. During Ivy, really enjoyed the entrepreneurship stream, you know, really good program and worked in a startup after Ivy. You know, uh, we transitioned out of that or I transitioned out of it after basically burning all my cash up, right? The Ivy program, great program, but it comes with a price tag the uh, startup world for about a year, you know, you burn through all your personal cash and I had to go get a job. So I went and worked in an engineering company uh, for a couple of years, learned a lot, but really didn't feel like working in an engineering company for the rest of my life. And at the time, my wife was starting this fitness business. She, at the time, was my girlfriend. She followed me out of town, you know, left her teaching job here in London, uh, moved up to, uh, to Barry with me. And she started this pre and postnatal fitness business. And she said, Hey, you know, I want to start this thing. How do you think we start getting customers to come? And, you know, she handled the fitness side. I handled the marketing side and basically taught myself everything from, you know, what is a Facebook ad to how to create landing pages, how to, you know, convert traffic into, uh, into customers. And it was really a sandbox. And I can say when you use your own money to market your own business, you're much, you're very, very careful with your cash and how you use it. So, you know, we had to bootstrap everything. And long story short, we started bringing a lot of people into this gym that she was renting space out of. Um, she, you know, was bringing, I wouldn't say more people than the gym was, but she was bringing a lot of, you know, traffic through the front door. And then we started doing business with that gym. And then the owner of that gym owned another company and we started doing business with that company. And then, you know, this kind of, you know, I hate the word side hustle, but this, you know, in the evening business that I was, you know, helping my wife with quickly turned into a full-time gig. So I left the engineering job, you know, put all my eggs in one basket with 44 North and then, you know, kept going from there. And the name 44 North, where'd that come from? It's the latitude of Barry. So I don't know, a bit of play on words, you know, army guy, maps, latitude. I think there were a few beers involved and I came up with the name. It used to be actually like Prometrics Business Solutions Inc., but it's really hard to sell business solutions. Like, hey, uh, you company, uh, I've got this I do business solutions and they're like, yeah, that? consultant, whatever, go away. So, you know, I uh, started this, uh, you know, digital marketing business, needed a brand, came up with it. I like the number and, uh, yeah, uh, that's where it came from. We moved the business from Barrie down to London. Uh, when my wife uh, got pregnant, her family's here and uh, here we are three years later, you know, I've got a, a team now in London, six staff, you know, that covers all the uh, major skill sets you need in a digital marketing company. And, you know, it's grown to the point where we're really servicing clients across, you know, the whole spectrum of B2B and B2C and, you know, really starting to make a name for ourselves in, in certain industries. There's this rise right now of these uh, one, call it one to five employee businesses. Is the ambition to grow? Do you want this like hundred or thousand person business or is, what's the ambition with it? What do you want out of it? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, more people typically equals more problems. Not to say that employees are problems by any means. You know, our employees are the lifeblood of our business. 
but you can make a lot of money and you can be very successful with, um, you know, five or six staff. There are companies here in London with 50, 60, 70 staff that comes with certain pros and certain cons. I really like the small business scrappy type work. We've got a great team, very dedicated people. I think what I'm more interested in is, is less about the number of people, but this business model. How do we take what we're, what we're doing as an agency and start to productize certain things and be able to scale them that way? Uh, I think they're more profitable business models than just trading time for money, right? And that's what we do right now. We trade time for money. It's great. You know, we're doing very well, but, you know, we've got a few things in the works that are less trading time for money and more, you know, productizing certain services and, uh, you know, being able to push them out at a very high quality, but with much less labor. And, and I think that's the direction that I think a lot of five or six person businesses can take and and scale but just in a different way yeah often those one or few few people businesses is a maybe i'm over generalizing but it, it seems like it's a consulting type business right like you're a, you're a person who's got some knowledge you trade your time for money and it seems to me that some who are getting be you can do incredibly well doing that mm-hmm. but those that are getting beyond that are figuring out a way to productize parts of it they may not always They'll always be involved in some capacity, but it's not mm-hmm. directly trading time for money anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest aha moment for me was, you know, every time I used to do a sales proposal, it was custom, right? People would come to me and say, Hey, I've got this business X, Y, Z, and I need help doing this. What should, what should I do? And I often found myself on the phone, fo- on, on the phone, trying to pitch the solution right there and then without having taken the time to really understand their business. And a, I think it discredited me. I think it discredited our, my abilities and it, it didn't come off as genuine as a genuine. And, and now people call me and I say the exact same thing almost every single time is I actually have no idea what we should do for you. And if I tried to tell you what we should do on this phone call, then you should not choose me as a service provider. But what I can tell you is that we have a process to figure out what you need. And basically if you get on the bus at stop at the first stop, I'm going to take you through about eight stops. And by the time we get to stop eight or nine, we're going to have a really good plan and that plan is going to be based on hard facts, data, competitive analysis, and that plan is going to then take us through the next year. And it's amazing how that's shifted the way that I sell, but it's also shifted the way that we do business. Is now our projects are starting in the same spot. We can train our team and we have tr- developed our team to go through a standard set of processes and our clients are getting a ton of value and we haven't even started executing yet. It's still the research and analysis and planning, but now they have a 12-month or 18-month plan based on hard facts. They know their budgets. They know where they're going to invest their money. They know why. And for a lot of people that have no idea what digital marketing is or why they should be doing it, there's a massive amount of information that they need to understand why. And there's a huge education aspect that goes into what we do and that initial planning research phase and then being able to present them with a plan. They go, ah, I see why you do SEO, or I see why you're going to use ads. I see why we needed a new website. Right? A lot of companies will just pitch, yeah, we should just build you a new website. But why? Why the heck would you just develop a new website? Unless there's you know, an SEO justification or a conversion rate justification. Um, and for the most part, I can't tell you that in five minutes on the phone. I need to look at, you know, what are you currently doing? What's your website being used for? What are your objectives? People will come to me and say, hey, can you run my AdWords campaigns? Yeah, sure, we could. But I don't think it's about AdWords. I think it's about the fact you want to sell more windows or you want to sell more real estate or you want to sell more shoes. Okay, well, it's not, maybe it's not, maybe Google AdWords is the wrong place to go. Maybe we need to be focusing on 
some other strategy. And that initial research planning phase that we go through, that brings all of those recommendations to the surface and really allows us to say, hey, here's what the other top window companies are doing. Here's what the other top, you know, clothing, uh, you know, t-shirt companies are doing. Here are the best practices and here's what we can learn from them. And here's what we're going to apply to you to make sure that you're competing at the same level. And people really like that. And that's, uh, that's the way we're taking the business. Yeah. That's a, an amazing approach, a really good approach. I want to rewind a little bit. So you said people are asking uh, or trying to figure out what, what is digital marketing? Let's start there. Let's start out with what is digital marketing? Why is that relevant for businesses today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So digital marketing is the same marketing, old marketing stuff that people have been doing since the beginning of time, but we're just doing it on a computer instead of, you know, using some other traditional form of marketing like billboards or radio or, or, you know, newspaper. We are just applying the same fundamentals to, you know, targeting people predominantly in a browser, either on their phone, on their tablet, on their laptop, on their desktop. I don't really care about the device. It's about getting people through a browser because that's where most people are spending their time today when they're looking for a business. You know, the days of a phone book, the days of yellow pages and saying, you know, I need a plumber, get the phone book, honey. Let's go to the yellow pages and find AAA plumbing, right? The days of yellow pages where you name your business AAA plumbing so you can be at the top of the yellow pages and that marketing strategy, you know, they're by the wayside. That's called Google, right? And, you know, I'll throw some facts out here, but like, what do they say? Like 90% of online experiences start with a Google search. You know, if you are ranking in the top three positions in Google for very specific sets of search terms related to your industry, you're going to generate traffic and that traffic is going to result in, in business. So any business right now, who's not investing in some digital marketing strategy, in my opinion, is putting themselves at, an, at a massive amount of risk because their competitors are, you know, we're working with a, a company and in an industry that I, I, I'm, I'll leave, you know, I won't talk about it. Sure. sure. And they realize they've been in the industry for 45 years. They have spent no money in digital and these new businesses run, you know, run by let's call it quote unquote millennials are popping up and sure those, their houses may not be as good or their t-shirts may not be the same quality, but they're investing in digital marketing. And now they're ranking at the top of Google and the, you know, we've got folks coming to us saying, Hey, like people are going to our competitors because they can't find us or because we have one review that's two stars on Google My Business and saying, I don't even know what Google My Business is, but apparently it's important because people called us and said, wow, do you guys know you only have one review and it's a two star review? Yeah, but we've been doing X and Y for 45 years. Yeah, but you've got a, you've got a really bad review on Google My Business. And you know, people who are buying homes or buying cars, you know, these are now the 20 something year old people who care about this stuff. They want to see you, you know, what's your online presence look like from a review perspective, you know, or, or, you know, can we find the information about you online? Can I do, can I check you out on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn and, you know, connect the dots and do that bit of, uh, you know, we've all played in the online dating game a bit, right? You, you meet somebody online and you do the little, you know, you check them out in a few different platforms, does everything, you know, add up. And if you don't, there's a huge risk that people aren't going to pick up the phone and they're going to call the guy down the road or the company down the road that, that does look good in all those platforms and where there's online reputation is very polished. And I think that's what it comes down to. It's all about, it's all about trust. It's all about reputation and, you know, being online 
digital, you have to, as a business, have a trustworthy online reputation, which is more than just creating a five page website and launching it and hoping that that's good enough. You have to be maintaining all of your different platforms so that when people come and look at you and they do that, you know, what is that? Like the sniff test, like let's, let's sniff around here. What do they look like online? What do they look like socially? That it all adds it up and it all tells the same story. So as a call it early stage company, if you're just getting going, at what stage do you start to think about your, I'll purposely ask it this way, your digital marketing strategy? When when do you even start considering that page in the playbook? I think you have to be doing it right away. I mean, I don't think it should be an afterthought. Sure, there are, there are many businesses that the digital marketing or inbound strategy may not be the business model. Like some companies could be built based on an outbound sales model. You know, we're going to hire... 10 sales reps, they're going to make this many calls per day. We know the conversion rate is X, Y, Z, and and that's their model. But I'll go back to it. It doesn't matter what business you're in. You need to have a effective digital marketing strategy. Otherwise, you risk your competitor, you know, doing it better than you and you losing market share to them. I think pretty much any business should be starting from here are our revenue goals. We want to do this you know, quantity of business, whether it's project based or, you know, product sales, and then working backwards through that digital marketing math to say, if we want to sell $2,000 in roofing jobs, you know, how many quotes do we need to do? Okay. Uh, sorry, what did I say? $2,000 in roofing jobs? Let's say $2 million in roofing jobs. Sure. And our average roofing job is $10,000. Uh, $10, okay. How many quotes do we have to give? You know, how many leads do we have to talk to? Okay, based on that number of leads, how many visitors do we need to the website? And therefore, what should our plan be to get that traffic there? If companies aren't doing that and not doing that math and working backwards from here are my revenue objectives and working back to therefore I need this many people to come to the site and working through all of the assumptions, then I think they're leaving a massive part of their marketing strategy on the table. The problem is I think most people, I wouldn't say most people, many business owners don't even know where to start. They don't even know how to do the math because they don't know what they don't know. It's just something that it's a little too, too scary. It's a, uh, I know I should do digital marketing. I'm not sure what I should do. So what are my options? I hire somebody, I use an agency. Some agencies are good, some are bad. And it ends up being pretty stressful for a lot of, uh, a lot of business owners, especially when they're trying to run their business, <laughs> you know? So, um, my question of, of where do you start? Um, you suggested the math. So the, the math makes sense. Um, I, I see probably, between all of my courses and consulting work and things, I probably see upwards of a couple hundred business proposals, plans, summaries, pitches, whatever a year. Often overlooked is the bottom-up analysis to figure out how many customers you'd need. So the mistake is like, the market is this big, I will take X percentage in year one. Wrong. The math you're talking about is if we want to do 2 million in sales, we typically convert... In order to get the sale, we're going to have to go to some, if it's a roofing company, we got to go to their house and give them a quote. We convert 20% of the quotes that we actually do in person. Therefore, we need X number of, we need to complete X number of quotes at a certain average deal size in order to convert them to hit and keep working back from there. So to get the quote, you need a certain number of appointments. To get the appointment, you need a certain number of online leads. That's the math that people aren't doing. That is the math that people aren't doing. And that is the math that we do every single day. And that's how we get graded on how well we're doing as an agency or the clients that we work with, right? Like to give you an idea, 
for some industries, let's pick industry A, don't want to get too specific. You know, let's say hypothetically you're spending $10 a click to get somebody to your website through AdWords, which, you know, if you didn't know, that's literally what you could be paying. That's a lot of money, right? So to get a hundred people to your site, you're spending a thousand bucks. To get a thousand people to your site, you're spending $10,000. $10,000 is a lot of money. Like I don't personally want to go take $10,000 out of my bank account and just give it away unless that money is going to have an ROI, right? So then you get those 10,000 people to your site and now you need to convert them into either a phone call or a get a free quote or start a free trial or, you know, request a demo. The average website is converting at about 2.35%, right? So 2.35% is pretty low. And in most industries, if you're actually converting at 2.35%, when you look at the numbers and you look at the cost to acquire the traffic, the conversion rate on visitor to lead, and then the conversion rate from lead to sale, you'll lose money every time. So the top performing websites are converting at 10% plus. But to get the conversion rate of a landing page or of a website from 2.35% and to get it north of 10 is a tremendous amount of work. And it's more than just, you know, a nice looking website with a fancy picture or a cool little video. You know, there we've got a checklist of probably a hundred different items that we work through. And every single item makes a small incremental improvement. But that is the digital marketing game as being able to create places to send traffic. Typically we call them landing pages. That could be your home page, or it could be an actual product page or a service page, driving the traffic there, analyzing the quality of the traffic, analyzing what people are doing on the page, looking at the different elements of the page, be it the messaging, the functionality, the way it responds to different devices, what the target customer is doing, and then trying to draw out conclusions of, huh, Hmm, maybe if we make this small change, we could actually increase the conversion rate a bit, right? Not, no one change typically is going to double or triple your conversion rate, but small incremental changes over time can make the difference between you having a profitable online experience with digital marketing or having, you know, something that you're just blowing money out and, and, and not making money on the, on the approach. So this could be potentially overwhelming for new business owners or even, I mean, ex experienced wouldn't call myself a seasoned veteran, but I've done a few things and me rolling up my own sleeves lately into the digital marketing world. I thought I knew it. I didn't know it as well as I thought I did. So until your own money's, you know, directly on the line and you're teaching it and actually doing it yourself, uh, is it's different. So it can be overwhelming, right? There's a lot of things to test. There's a lot of different tools and technology. And when you start to do your homework, if they're digital, marketing tools, they're good at digital marketing themselves. So now I'm getting 20 emails a day from all of these services. I'm getting bombarded online with all these tools. I don't know where to start. So marketing math, I agree with you. Then what? I want to avoid the, the overwhelm trap of this digital marketing overwhelm that I seem to be falling into. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to take a look at your options. So option one, learn it yourself. Option number two, hire somebody who knows how to do it. Option number three, find a company like ours to work with that can do it for you. So do yourself, hire someone, your like your own employee. Yeah. Your own employee that like has the skill set that, you know, can do all of these things or then, you know, use an agency and there's pros and cons to every option. I mean, I started off because we didn't have the cash learning it myself, but I also had a keen interest in doing it. So for me, it just fit. But I mean, I had to learn 
web design, web development, search engine optimization, you know, pay-per-click advertising management, social media marketing, email marketing automation, you know, data analytics and reporting. That's a ton to learn. And I'm still not done learning. I mean, every single day I'm watching videos, I'm listening to, you know, thought leaders in the space and seeing what people are doing, you know, which social platforms have the highest organic reach, right? Right, right now, LinkedIn is huge, right? Um, and, you know, you follow a couple influences, you see the, the type of content they're producing and where they're pushing it out. LinkedIn is huge, right? You're very active on LinkedIn. And, you know, we've done, we've connected recently through your LinkedIn posts. You didn't pay for any of those posts. Right. But I would say most people that are following you or connected with you are seeing those posts and they're getting great organic reach. Same if you were to have posted those exact same things on Facebook, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today because the organic reach on Facebook is pretty much nothing. So I guess my point is learning it yourself, you have to have a keen interest because there's a ton of stuff you need to be exposing yourself to. Option number two, hire somebody. Here's the challenge. Digital marketing is not like a one trick pony you know, I'm a graphic designer. Now I'm a digital marketer, or I can develop websites. Now I'm a digital marketer, or I can do Facebook ads. And now I'm a digital marketer. That's why it takes my whole team to service a client. So I think there are people out there that can do all of it, but most of those people are, you know, very happily employed, making a lot of money, you know? So I would say you probably want to budget in today's economy, $70,000 a year plus to get somebody who has the type of knowledge you would need. Right. Or divide $70,000 by 12, figure out what a monthly retainer would be, and then go talk to an agency to figure out if they can provide the same quality of service. They may not spend as many hours on it, but they've got a group of experts. So in our team, we've got a designer, we've got a developer, we've got somebody that is really, really good at running Facebook ads and Google ads. And we've got somebody that's really good at doing SEO and analytics. And we've got the strategy person and the copywriter, like all of those skill sets we have in house. And I think the challenge in hiring somebody, although it's possible, right? And there's companies that do it, you know, Good Life being one of them, Good Life Fitness has a whole team doing this, but they literally need a team. And so then your third option is work with a company that you trust that aligns well with your values culturally within your company. And I think the agencies that are the, like the five to 10 employees, you're still going to get the attention of the owner right? You get to the 50, 60, 70, 80 person agencies. You may not, I think, you know, there are plenty of them that are doing very, very well. So I'm not trying to put them down by any means, but I think the level of service you're going to get from a small agency like mine to a larger agency, you know, they're going to be bang on one or the other. And I think, you know, people need to consider using both. I think for me, my biggest lessons learned were when I was doing this type of work for myself. And so it's not a bad idea for business owners to get their feet wet, you know, try some things, you know, experiment, realize what you know and what you don't know, what you can keep in house and what you need to outsource or what you need to partner with an agency for. For example, we work with clients. We don't need to be managing their social media accounts for them. And in fact, I'd prefer not to be right. A lot of the time, social media is that, you know, in the moment type, you know, data or, or in the moment content, whether it be video or a story or a post that us as an external agency, we're not on site and we're not able to capture that. So have your person that's in-house, you know, be your social media coordinator, maybe come to us and we'll help you figure out what the type of content they should be posting, what platforms they should be on, you know, what hashtags they should be using, what tools they can use to, you know, make their efforts a little more efficient, but do that stuff in-house use an external party for the more heavy lifting work, like marketing automation, you know, automating repeatable tasks, creating, uh, you know, in integrating a 
CRM, like customer relationship management system to do, uh, you know, integration with your sales team and do the automated email follow-ups, you know, the heavy lifting on web design and development, um, the data analytics, integration and reporting, that kind of stuff. A lot of people are going to have a hard time learning on their own. And it's, I think it's more suitable to hire experts to do, and then keep the things in house that you can do in house comfortably. And in fact, if you do it that way, I, I would say your social media is going to be better if you do it in-house because you're going to have that real time, you know, content and it's going to be more genuine than something that's planned 30 days in advance. When we were building my wife's fitness business, you know, small business uh, focused on pre and postnatal in Barrie, you know, it was crazy. Like personal training? What, what is the business? What yeah. So the business is called Mum and Bub's Health and Fitness. Um, my wife is no longer running it. She's gone back to be a teacher. And you know, I quickly learned as a like husband-wife combo, <laughs> it's super hard to be in business together and then be friends and partners and now parents. You know, We needed a break. And I think probably for the sake of everybody's benefit, you know, she's gone back to teaching. And it's not because the business wasn't successful. The business was very successful. And, you know, we, I still have ideas about maybe, you know, selling it or franchising it. But with 44 North, it's so busy. I don't really have time to focus on it. But with that business, the goal was to sell pre and postnatal fitness to women that were six months leading up to uh, having birth. So who wanted to stay fit leading up to having their baby and that kind of year post having their baby. Huge market. You know, pre and post, you see the stroller fitness groups everywhere. You see the the fitness focus classes in gyms. And we saw an opportunity to, to, to build this business. And, uh, you know, we started running, you know, created some landing pages and running Facebook ads. And we started trialing different marketing strategies. And I mean, if I think about the number of lessons I learned in that six months or a year, creating that business, doing it on my own and bootstrapping, I would see any business owner that takes that level of interest in trying they're actually gonna be much more educated when they deal with an agency because they're gonna know a little more than just saying, hey, we have a problem, can you fix it? You know, for example, we we were running traffic to a site, which was, you know, um, free class pass. So Facebook ads drive the traffic to a landing page, offering a free class pass. And free class passes, we were giving out like, what's that term? Like they were just flying off the shelf. But the, the quality of the people showing up for the free class passes was just horrible. Tire kickers, wrong income demographic, you know, mainly. They were never going to become. They were never going to become yeah. paying customers. So although they were, it were very cheap leads, the quality of the lead was crap. So then we said, okay, well, let's, let's make them pull out their credit card. And we started selling a $9 three class pass. And we started running a new campaign around that. And although the quantity of leads coming out were much lower, two things happened. The quality of the people who showed up were much higher. And the conversion rate on coming out to a, uh, a paid discounted class and that traffic converting into now somebody's paying $90 a month for a program versus the person that coming out for free, the conversion rate was way higher. The other thing that we I learned is I was charging $9 for a three class pass. It was only costing me about $8.50 to sell the $9 class pass, which means I would spend $8.50, make nine bucks. Spend eight fifty or nine bucks, make nine bucks, and so the marketing spend itself is being covered by these free classes. So now I had this, you know, and you'll you'll listen to these online gurus that talk about this, like, you know, start with ten dollars and scale it, and you know, you don't even need a marketing budget to start. That's all they're talking about. They're saying, you know, take a hundred dollars, invest it, make money, 
be more profitable than you were when you spent money and take the money and reinvest it. And over time, your marketing budget grows. Yeah, newsflash, that's really, really hard to do. And if it was that easy, you know, every company would be doing it, but it's tremendously hard. We just happened to crack the nut in that small business where for the most part, we could keep investing money and it would keep paying for itself. And essentially it generated free leads. And that's the goal for any digital marketing business. So I learned a lot about, you know, pricing and how to get people in the door and how to convert that traffic. I also learned a lot about analytics and how important it is to be watching what people are physically doing. So uh, I often give this presentation about digital marketing framework and I talk about placement of call to actions. And I'll talk about making sure your call to action is above the fold. So on the landing page at the top when you get there, but also having your call to action throughout the page and especially have it at the bottom. And I'll often ask, you know, why? Why do you guys think we should have the call to action there? And people will say, well, because people are lazy. They don't want to scroll back up. Eh, good. You know, there's, it's obvious that knowledge is out there, um, especially in a younger crowd. When I'm talking to like, you know, the 20-somethings, uh, they've grown up on the internet. They, can, they understand. They may not know why they understand it, but they see it. Well, it turns out about 95% of the traffic coming to our landing pages were coming by mobile. Right? So you think about these women, uh, you know, what are they doing? So pre and postnatal. Typically, let's look at the postnatal. So they are, they've just had a baby. You know, so are they busting out their laptop and throwing it on their lap? Well, they're no, they're not. They're carrying they're carrying their baby around or maybe they're breastfeeding. And so they're all on their mobile device. And it turned out a ton of our traffic. And I would say the majority of our traffic was coming in, I would call non peak hours, not coming like in the after work period. No, no, that's when that's when like, you know, dinner's being made and kids are trying to go to bed. They were coming in the middle of the night like midnight to 4 a.m. And we actually were seeing a massive spike in purchases coming at like 3.30 a.m., 4 a.m. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. You know, this is before my wife and I had our kids. And I was like, what the heck? Like, why are women buying these $9 class passes at 3.30 in the morning? And then it dawned on me, they're probably breastfeeding or they're probably sitting up with their kids in the middle of the night trying to console them to go back to sleep. And, and they're exhausted. So they're sitting on their phone, they're scrolling around on Facebook, they're seeing our ads, they're going to our landing page, they're scrolling through, they're clicking on this, you know, countdown timer, you've got five hours left to get our $9 class pass, they'd click on it and make make the purchase. And I was like, ah, that's interesting. Like, all these purchases are coming in the middle of the night. And then I started looking deeper. And I realized we had a massive not only were we getting a lot of purchases, but we were also losing a lot of people at the checkout. So I had to ask myself again, like, why is this happening? Had to put myself again in the customer's shoes. And, and the only reason I could come up with, and, you know, I verified it with some people who, you know, were in the program, where they were up breastfeeding. They didn't have their credit card on them. Like, where's the credit card? It's downstairs in their purse. Or it's, you know, maybe it's a shared credit card that, you know, husband and wife share. So they couldn't make the purchase because they didn't have the credit card. So what did we do? Two-step checkout process. You fill out step one. You opt in for, you know, uh, communication via CASEL, Canadian anti-spam legislation, you know, an, a statement. And if somebody didn't purchase within, I think we had it set at half an hour. If you didn't purchase, you know, complete step two of making the purchase within half an hour of, of doing step one, then we would note you in our system as saying, you know, abandoned cart. And we would flip you an email the next morning saying, Hey, we noticed you were checking out, but you didn't purchase. Here's the link to purchase. You can still get the deal. And again, we saw our conversion rate go up again. So, you know, as a digital marketing agency, it's crazy. The lessons that we're still applying three years later 
from the stuff I was doing when I was bootstrapping with my wife three years ago on this, you know, pre and postnatal fitness business that we're not even running anymore. And, uh, I would say my advice to any business owner is you need to educate yourself, right? And watch some YouTube videos, um, learn a little bit about SEO, learn a little bit about Facebook ads, about web design, all this stuff is publicly available. You know, you just go search it on YouTube and you can find some good and obviously some bad, but I would say there's a ton of good content out there. Listen to podcasts like this and then go talk to somebody and be able to come to the table with a little bit of education because I think your strategy is going to be much more powerful if you do that. It's interesting. You talk about, um, I mean, digital marketing is the digital, it's reinforcing the same thing that you've always done, but digitally. And so when you talk about that example, that story, it's an, you had to go analog. I mean, yeah, digitally enhanced in that you looked at the data, but then you went analog to figure out what is this data saying? Like what, what activities in the real world are painting the picture in the data? So it's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yes, it's digital, but like these are real people with real behaviors that you had to dig into to get to those insights. The difference is now we have the data at our fingertips. Like literally I can take a client any client, I mean, we're working at the trucking company right now. We're launching a campaign at the beginning of next month. Within 24 hours of launching that campaign, I'm going to have data coming, feeding back to us where we can start analyzing things like how long are people spending on the site? What are they clicking on? How far are they making it through our interactive quoting form? What device are they searching on? What locations are they coming from? Uh, what keywords are they clicking on? What keywords are they searching? You can't do that with a billboard or a newspaper ad or a radio, a radio spot. Now, don't get me wrong. I love radio. I love billboards. I think those 40-foot tractor-trailer billboards on the side of the 401 are awesome. And I actually went down the route of trying to start a 40-foot trailer sign company uh, because I think they're so effective. But you don't get instant data coming back to you from a billboard. With digital, you know, if you have all the analytics platform set up, and let's face it, I say all the, I'm talking like Google Analytics, which is free, and there are a couple of other platforms that we use that we pay nine bucks a month for, 12 bucks a month for. These aren't like massive investments. But if you set these platforms up and you know what to look for, it's quite easy to start deriving actionable conclusions that you can use to start you know, optimizing your campaign. And that's what's so cool. And that's what I think is so awesome for small businesses because you have the, you can be nimble as a small business. If there was one resource that you recommend people, whatever, website to visit, book to read, article to read, is there one that stands out? So really it depends on what you're trying to learn. So if you want to learn about, say, marketing automation, then I would check out Active Campaign and just read. They've got a really good like blog that you can read and, and then check out videos of people implementing active campaign on YouTube. I think YouTube universally is the best thing that's happened from an education standpoint, probably ever. Right. You think back to like Khan Academy. You ever used Khan Academy? I haven't. I, no, I know about it. But I think I got through my MBA using Khan Academy. And like when I had to learn about accounting, it was a Khan Academy video. And not to say anything about uh, I'm just not smart, very smart. So I'd have to, you know, spend a lot of extra time in the evenings, you know, trying to reteach what probably should have come obvious to me in class. Khan Academy is great. That's YouTube free resource. So YouTube by far, I would say one of my favorite people in the world right now, digital is Rand Fishkin. 
Yeah. Rand is yep. awesome. So if you're looking, if you're looking to learn anything about SEO, search engine optimization, man, is he a beauty? Is he from Moz? Is that Moz? Moz yeah. So yeah. Moz is a platform that we use for doing like competitor analysis and keyword research and, you know, analyzing how a website's doing within Google. And Rand Fishkin has this series called Whiteboard Friday. Our SEO, like, uh, all right, here, agencies, newsflash, our whole SEO strategy, by the way, is based on Whiteboard Friday. Hmm. There you go. You have our secret sauce. And I would say any other person that wants to learn SEO, Whiteboard Friday is a one a week video series that he released. He literally has a whiteboard. It is what it, you know, it sounds like. He has a whiteboard. He explains one aspect to SEO and he's got 200 videos. You want to learn SEO? Go watch Rand Fishkin on Whiteboard Friday. The guy's a beauty. He's a great public speaker, good looking dude, you know, and just, you know, he works you through all of the methodologies. And I would say every single video, you can walk away and go, huh, interesting. I'm going to go do that. Like very actionable, not, not theoretical in any way. And then I would say for, you know, Facebook ads, Google ads, there are uh, online training programs through like Udemy. Or, you know, they're like 14 bucks and mix that with some YouTube videos. You can learn anything you need to learn about Facebook ads. Those would be my recommendations. Cool. Those are good recommendations. So one last question I wanted to ask, uh, it's a question I like to ask our most recent guests is how can we as a community help you as a business owner? So we've heard answers like, you know, I'm, I'm growing and these are the types of customers that we're looking to work with. I'm working on a new segment of our business. And if anybody's got experience in it, then they might be able to help you out. But I'm curious if we can help you at all with your business. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, we're, uh, we're on fire right now and it's, it's great. Uh, it comes with its own set of challenges. So there's probably two or three things. The first thing is, you know, there's a lot of great people coming out of the MBA program and the HBA program. We need, I think, to do a good job of, of especially the, the, the Ivy network is huge. And the, the Ivy network is, I would say, one of the most differentiating factors for me and why I came to the program, especially being an, an army guy coming to the program with no network on the private side or in the business side afterwards. So I think from a network perspective, how do we connect students with agencies or with companies that are owned or led by Ivy people? I mean, the McKinsey's, the banks, I mean, that they're formal part, formal part of the MBA program, whether it's through interviews, interview prep, but I would say on the small business side, on the entrepreneurship side, there isn't as much of that connection. I would love, you know, the race rosters, the 44 Norths, you know, you know, Alex Vanderhoven, great guy doing amazing things. He probably needs some Ivy people. Maybe you guys bring him in, just not me. <laughs> no, right. I'm just, I'm just joking, but like get, get us small business owners in and see if maybe there's an alignment with some of these students, whether it's for summer placements, whether it's for full-time jobs, or even some of the consulting programs you guys are running. I would say the other thing is conversely with uh, anybody who's listening in the Ivy network. I mean, if you're struggling with a, with a digital marketing problem, I mean, we're growing, looking to align ourselves with the right customers, happy to have a conversation. And I, I just appreciate what you're doing here with the podcast and, you know, bringing in all of us to participate, you know, talk a little bit about what we do, what, what we know, what we don't know, what we think's happening and then getting it out to the network because I think everybody gets value. That's great. Last one. So how can people find you if they want to contact you, want to get in touch either with you, could be you personally, or maybe it's through your company website. What's the best way to reach you? Yeah. So, uh, if you're looking for, you know, 
uh, to contact us regarding digital marketing, whatever, uh, 44 North Digital Marketing, uh, just simply Google us and you will find us. Alternatively, um, on LinkedIn, Corey Shelson, you know, send a connection request and happy to chat and connect on there. Awesome. Awesome. This is great. I think uh, starting to demystify the what happens behind the curtain in uh, in digital marketing, rooting it in real life, you know, analog real people uh, is a really great lesson. So thanks for sharing. It was great to have you on and uh, we will come have you back and do round two at some point. Thanks, Eric. Right, thanks. You've been listening to the Ivy Entrepreneur Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit ivy.ca forward slash entrepreneurship. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.